You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our intersequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I have with me tonight the man that could, if he wanted to, claim the credit for changing the format of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. It's because of him that we initially got into doing interviews with celebrity guests and with uh, writers and many people that make science fiction happen. Uh, And, you know... And we continue to visit him year after year at a convention that that he is head of the press and publicity of this convention. And it's a convention that is near and dear to our hearts. And we have with us tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast, Mike Schilling. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Well, it's a great pleasure to be here, Scott. Um, Always a great pleasure to talk to you and the rest of your team members there at the Sci-Fi Diner. Hello, everyone out there listening, whenever that might be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And again, you know, Mike, you know, I do have to say that I remember distinctly the first time we ever interviewed you. It was episode 21, and we were, in a a sense, in the infancy of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And we had you on, and we got a conversation, I think it was after the interview, and you said, we're coming down here, why don't you interview some of these guests? And we're like, oh, never thought of that before. And and so it's because of you, we have you to thank for the uh, format that we currently run in in the Sci-Fi Diner. Well, um, on the one hand, you know, you can't really tell that I'm practically blushing on the other end of the phone right now, but I think you're probably giving me way too much credit than I deserve. But I certainly do appreciate all the kind words, and I certainly hope that this uh, format change uh, has been very, very successful for your organization. Well, you know, uh, we're, we're up over uh, 210 episodes as we speak. So it's, and uh, we go back to number 21. We go back a little way. <laughs> we, we do. We do. It's uh, been five years plus that we've been running the podcast, and it's been great to have you on during those years uh, numerous times. So um, for, for listeners that may not be familiar with who you are. Can you give us just a little bit of background uh, as to who you are, maybe your love of sci-fi and and all that jazz? Well, how many hours do you have to record this? Um, But anyway, like I say, my name is Mike and I head up publicity and media relations for Shoreleave. I've been doing that for, mm, I don't know exactly how many years, maybe about 10 or so, give or take. Although I have been uh, going to Shore Leave actually itself just as an attendee since way back in 1986. This is probably before the time of a great many of your listeners out there. Um, I started out just as a regular attendee. Then I joined the organization that puts it on called the Star Trek Association of Towson. Uh, they're the parent organization that produces Shore Leave every year. And then after a certain amount of time, just as a regular helper, I was asked to join the uh, Shore Leave Committee. You know, the team members who actually uh, create the convention every year are responsible for it. Initially, I was the video guy. For many years, I was the guy making the video schedule, you know. And for, you know, for you younger members out there, 
you may not really remember a time when you could literally pack an entire room just to watch classic Trek episodes and bloopers and things like that, because in those days, not everybody had it on tape and desk. It was a totally different world. Anyway, so I took a great deal of pleasure in that, because after all, it's best to play to your strengths, and I was always, you know, derived a great deal of enjoyment from enjoying them and organizing them and getting help for the rooms and things like that. And after a little while uh, doing the video room, I was asked to trade up, so to speak, uh, to publicity. Um, I guess they probably, <laughs> the con chairs probably thought that my uh, my talkative ways and my uh, detailed nature uh, was very good for that kind of position, so they offered it to me. And I've been doing that ever since, uh, to the best of my abilities. Um, I always like to tell folks when I'm sitting on a panel or just um, taking part in a panel at a at a convention that, you know, I haven't written any books on the subject or anything. I'm just a fan, just a fan my whole life, just like everybody else in that room. And the only difference with me is I am just somewhat more talkative and a lot more opinionated than most. <laughs> and I guess that's why they pick me for such things. But that's basically how I got into it in, in the short version. Do you, do you remember what first drew you to shore leave? Wow. Well, back in the 80s, way back then, uh, there were a number of uh, science fiction and Star Trek-oriented conventions taking place in the Baltimore metro area. And shortly, it was just one of them. <clears throat> Hard as it is to believe, I actually attended a few conventions around here uh, before I ever went to my first shore leave. So I probably found out about my first shore leave, number eight that was, back in 86, and haven't missed since. Very proud of that. Um, probably on, as a flyer, you know, sitting out at a table or someone sitting at a, a table at one of these early conventions to tell me about it. And... Uh, Although it you know, just seemed like another convention to me at the time because I was attending a lot more conventions year to year in those days. And However, it was the only organization where I actually joined the club that was putting it on. In other words, I didn't become personally involved putting on the convention with these other groups that put on these other local conventions. Surely it was the one where I actually became involved in, in my own small way helping it. You see, and that responsibility and that sense of pride grew over time, you see, because that was the only organization that I joined. And over the course of time, uh, the convention scene in Baltimore changed, new conventions came in, other ones moved to other cities or, or closed up shop. And eventually it was down to three conventions a year, then it was down to two, which is what it is now. Um, so with one's uh, life changes and, you know, the things that one goes through in life as one gets older, um, sometimes you're not always able to attend as many of these events as one would like. So you have to sort of pick and choose, you know, what you're going to do. And it got to the point where Shortly was really my only convention per year uh, for various reasons. And I like to tell folks it's about the only time of the year where I really indulge myself is Spock said in Star Trek Two, <laughs> you know, where I kind of say, "All right, this is me time, gang. Don't bother me for the weekend because that's where I'll be." So that's um, that's sort of how I treat myself. That I, <laughs> you know, take part in shore leave not only as a person who works the convention, but also it's very important to me to actually be there as a fan too. I mean, there, there are a great many people who have far more important positions there at shore leave than I do on the committee. But, you know, these are folks who are literally 
for lack of a better term, stuck in one position most of the weekend. You know, and I admire them tremendously, but I really wouldn't want to do that because I also like being the one who, yes, I do what I do and I try to be very good at it, but I also want to enjoy the convention too. I want to be one out there who takes in a little bit of everything. Sometimes people ask me, what's your favorite part? And I honestly really don't have a specific favorite part, you see, because I enjoy so many different things. And oftentimes I get angry at myself that I can't split myself into four or five or six people (laughs) and just sort of be a little bit of everywhere during the course of the weekend. And it just isn't possible. That's why I tell people uh, who are fairly new to the convention business, I say the most important thing you can do, either get on that website and, and print out a copy of the schedule so it becomes available, or as soon as you arrive at that convention, pull out that schedule, grab a pen, and start circling. You'll thank me because yeah. you've got to plan out their weekend, you know, your weekend. There is a lot to do and a little bit of time to do it in, and you've got to plan out your time. You find yourself, man, I want to do this and I want to do that, but you just can't get to make some hard choices. Yeah. And that's one of the things I always tell folks makes Shore Leave so special, one of the many things, that there are so many choices. I may be getting off the subject a little, <laughs> I think. But, that's all right. But that one kind of leads into the other, I think. Right. Well, and I think you're right. You know, someone just coming to a con for the first time, they can be absolutely overwhelming if they don't do what you just said, and that is kind of plan out, well, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, and just allow that to be your focus of the weekend. Um, Right. But there's also another side to that. You see, everybody likes to do something a little bit different. Some folks like to be wild and crazy and just take in everything. Other other folks, and there's nothing wrong with this, everybody's different. Um, Some folks just like to stay in the same general area. Some folks just come for autographs and to smooth with with as many uh, guest stars as possible. Uh, Some folks like to hang out in the gaming rooms all weekend long. Some folks like to, you know, troll the uh, memorabilia rooms or dealer's rooms, as we call them. You know, some folks mainly stay with the art show or or things like that. Or some folks stick with the science programming. You know, there's so many choices. Everybody's got their favorites. But other folks, on the other hand, I've seen this happen too, they, they sort of spend that time meeting up with old friends, you know, Kind of like, in a way, like we always greet each other at the convention every year. Only I'm talking about literally spending, you know, hours and hours and just just saying hi to folks who you may not ordinarily see at other times of the year except at gatherings such as this. And there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, if you don't like to, you know, battle those big crowds in some of those rooms, fine. You know, hook up with some friends, go to the the lounge, go to a, you know, a nearby restaurant, hang out in the lobby and just, just talk. That's part of the fun, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's another one of those small elements that make, you know, these smaller conventions such as ours so very special that you that you might not see at a big regional or national convention. Now, let me I, I want to back us up back to the question that kind of spiraled us this direction, and that was you mentioned you were going to a lot of different conventions prior to Shore Leave, but Shore Leave is the one that you signed on board. What about I mean and said, "You know what? I'm going to invest my time and my energy in this convention. Out of the other conventions you're going to, why, why surely? I mean, was it was was some of the things you're talking about what drew you there, or were there other things that were drawing you there at the time, and maybe that shifted over the years? A combination of elements. One, it was the only uh, convention of those early ones that I used to attend where there was an actual club that I knew about that was behind it. 
and especially in those days, I was looking to meet other like-minded fans such as myself. Star Trek, again, for you uh, younger folks listening out there, you may not realize there was a time when Star Trek wasn't everywhere like it is today. It wasn't quite as socially acceptable as it is today. Back in the olden days, 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s, you know, us fans felt like we were more of a, an insular group, and we kind of basically had to stick, stick together against the barbs of society. You know, so basically, when you were able to find other like-minded fans, you know, who shared your passion, you know, that was a very big deal. And so, since Shirley had this big this organization behind it, Stat, like I mentioned before, I decided to join in those times. Now, as and basically, pretty much everybody in that organization does something for the convention. Some people do things very big, like convention chairs or head of security or or, uh, hint, hint, head of publicity, or, right. <laughs> or head of, um, you know, the registration department or the art show, really big things. And other folks just like to do little things, like help in the autograph lines and, and help out with security and, and just do general things like that, which, although don't have fancy titles, are very important for the overall success of the convention, you see. And so as part of me of part of me that wanted to contribute in any way that I could to help make the convention a success along with my uh, fellow brothers and sisters in the club at that time, I said, well, you know, what can I do to, to pitch in? And when I did it well, there were others uh, higher up the chain, so to speak, who said, hmm, this guy might, might be good at such and such or such and such. Let's put him in this position. Let's see if he wants to do that. And so it just grew. And as far as what I've been doing the last 10 years, a lot of what I do, I don't want to say it's on autopilot because there are too many variables every year, but it's, it's a matter of experience. There are certain things you get to know and, and contacts you get to make, and you, you take advantage of that. So that, that's what you do, generally knowing what to do year to year. One thing that makes Shoreleaves such generally a well-running machine is that the vast majority of the committee members have been in their positions or in some form part of the convention basically for some of them their entire adult lives and none of us get paid for it we're all volunteers if we started getting paid for it i don't think it would be nearly as much fun in my opinion we all have our own jobs we all have our own lives we all have our own pressures to deal with you know don't we all but we all do it because, well, we love the convention, and perhaps even more so than that, we love the people. You know, we love the people who come to the convention, uh, we, and we, you know, just love the tradition of the convention, the friendships that it's brought us over these many years. You know, you don't volunteer for the same thing for most of your life without it meaning something to you personally. So, I mean, when I was younger... You know, I would tell you, oh, I like the ships the most, or I like the fight scenes the most, or I like this character the most, or I like this episode the most. But when you're in fandom a long time, the, the people that are around you become more and more and more important. And those are the things that especially resonate with me uh, down through the years. Do you, know, uh, do you know offhand how large the Star Trek Association of Towson is? Hmm. Well, I haven't really... Uh, got a really up-to-date count at my fingertips right now, there are perhaps, uh, perhaps, you know, you know, 30, 40, 50, somewhere in that range. 
And so everyone... Not, not a very large organization. We rec- Let's just say we require a lot more than that number to run that convention. So it's not just club members and committee members and things like that, but there are a lot of helpers. Each committee has its own series of, of helpers. Sometimes a committee is a committee of one. Sometimes there are a couple dozen that might be helping in any one particular department, and you're the head of that committee reporting to the con-chairs, for example. That's basically how a cow convention like ours is structured. Mm. Um, but yes, comparatively, it's a small organization, but I assure you, it takes a staff much larger than that to actually run that shindig. Okay. And that's why we rely on our contacts and our friendships we've developed through the years to get us the additional help that we need to do all the little things that it takes to make this show come off every year, especially when it's going to be packed. Yeah, absolutely. After you, absolutely. And um, that leads to my next question. So there's, you know, 30, 40 of you in the actual organization. How many people does it take to to, to, to pull off this convention? Mm, wow. <laughs> Again, we probably didn't I would count. say, well, you've got the 1,500 or so people who are, you know, the convention can take at one time. Cause that's how much our limits of our memberships are on a daily basis. Um, let's see. Then you've got all the people who are in the uh, dealers' rooms and their support staffs. Then you've got the committee and their support staffs. Then you've got all the guests and their various entourages. Sometimes the guests come in solo, and sometimes you've got a whole group with them. Everyone is different. So, you know, I would say a few hundred, easy. Oh, yeah. No are, are involved in one way or another. No doubt. But well, that's and, just a loose guess. Yeah. So fifteen hundred guests a day is what you is what the uh, I guess the Crown Plaza can kind of handle, right? Well, actually, it's the Hunt Valley. Oh, and, I'm sorry. They keep um, yeah they keep, yeah they change the Crown the Plaza is is another uh, local hotel where yeah, um, it's nearby. one of our uh, uh, fr- friend conventions are taking yeah. place in the winter every year. Um, they're fine folks too. It's a little smaller than ours, but they're they're wonderful folks there, and they put on a great show. But you guys, but yeah, we've been going to the Hunt Valley Inn for thirty four of our thirty six years. Now, right. for all those years, it was Marriott. This year, it's a Wyndham. They were recently purchased by the <laughs> Wyndham organization. Wow. Their technical name is Wyndham Affiliate. I think they might be changing that again by next year, but officially, it's called the. The Baltimore Hunt Valley Inn or the Hunt Valley Inn Wyndham Associate, I think. It's not a Marriott anymore. But, yeah, that's been our home away from home for 34 of the 36 years. It's really hard to imagine really being anywhere else because we're just so used to it. So last year you brought in Shatner, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what a time that was. Yeah, and uh, you, I mean, I imagine that uh, were you uh, imagine that the convention had to be pretty close to selling out in those days. Yes, we did actually. Um, we totally sold out on Saturday, which is the first time I had perhaps ever seen it. As a matter of fact, all the years I've been going there, uh, we had a very good, strong turnout on on Friday, and an excellent turnout on Sunday. Now, William Shatner was only there Saturday, but. Uh, things were set up where there was a lot of extra special programming on Sunday, too. In many years, we've had great difficulty bringing out a good crowd on Sunday because it's such a relaxer day for most attendees. So things can get real quiet on Sunday. So it's very important that we try to offer unique programming just on Sunday. For example, last year we had Brent Spiner, too. Boy, what a wit he is. What an amazing, intelligent man. You know, we... You know, we were eating out of his hand. We could watch that man all day. <laughs> anyway, he was there signing autographs through the weekend, but his Q&A session was on Sunday, you see. And so that drew extremely well. So, yeah, although I don't have precise numbers in front of me, that was probably the 
you know, the best overall crowd I've ever uh, seen in that hotel for that particular convention. Well, it's something that we're very proud of. Now, as of the time that we're taping this, I do not know, uh, I am not aware of any sellout uh, situations yet. However, I have to tell all the folks listening out there that by the time you hear this, that situation may have changed. So I recommend very strongly, if you're interested in all in joining us for Surely, keep checking the website because that, you know, what's available now might not be available in a couple of weeks or, or certainly, you know, by the beginning of August. So um, how, but how, the numbers are building up nicely from what I am told. Um, how far, uh, when does pre-registration end? Is that almost up to the day of the con or do they have to? Uh, pre-registration officially ends on July 15th. Okay. So anything that is postmarked, you know, by the 15th of July will be accepted and processed. Beyond that, you just have to take your chances at the door. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and so, you know, we, we talked about Shatter being there, but we have the potential on Saturday again to have a pretty, uh, pretty big sellout crowd again. I mean, it's entirely possible. It hasn't happened yet, but I know the numbers are strong. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a great guest lineup this this year, and once again, we have something very special on Sunday, August third, that should make Sunday, you know, a very close, you know, battler for the the champion day. So many years, you know, the big day is Saturday, and Sunday's kind of eh, quiet, just chilling. But not so much these days. Sunday can be just about as crazy as Saturday now. It's all on how you program it. So uh, so what makes Sunday so special since you're kind of teasing us with it? Well, on Sunday, August 3rd, we're going to be having a very special Skype appearance by Leonard Nimoy himself. Awesome. And awesome. Leonard Nimoy, as you know, has recently announced his retirement. Um, unlike William Shatner, who is just running as hard as he can, as long as he can, and he's just everywhere every single day, you have to admire a man like that at half his age, let alone his, what is he now, 83? Yeah, he's um, up there. Nimoy, you know, he, um, well, he's had, you know, bless his heart, some health problems lately, and he enjoys being in retirement. You know, he's, he's earned his well-deserved rest, and he's going to enjoy it. You know, that's him, and it works. So he's not exactly going to get on a plane and travel anymore to these shows, but nothing can really stop him from doing a Skype appearance. This is going to be the first one of its kind, by the way, so I'm not 100% sure what really to expect. I generally know about the technology, but I really don't know how it works. But I do know it's going to be fantastic, and the, the buzz in fandom ever since it was announced has been spectacular. Now, I don't have an exact time set yet, uh, but we do know, considering the three-hour time difference, it's not going to be too early. You know, it's probably going to be early in the afternoon. I would say anywhere between like maybe 12 and 4. It'll all be put up on the website in the week beforehand. But, yeah, on Sunday, August 3rd, Leonard Nimoy will be calling in, so to speak. That's and that's awesome. a very special thing. And it might be the very last uh, time, considering his age and the fact that he is sort of, you know, retiring himself, that we'll have the opportunity to see him in such a setting. So that's going to be a very special thing. Now, on Saturday and Sunday, now this is not an option that we had last year, because we only had William Shatner for that one precious day last year, those few precious hours, it seems. But this year, on Saturday and Sunday, we've got a guest that we've been literally after for years, Richard Dean Anderson. That's awesome. Mr. Um, Mr. MacGyver himself. Of Stargate, MacGyver, Legend, remember that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, and didn't he also do General Hospital, too? Yep, yep. He was, uh, what, Dr. Jeff Weber in that? 
I think so, yes. So very experienced, a leading man, um, you know, very magnetic, extremely popular. We've been trying to get it. He doesn't do many conventions. It took a lot of work and major kudos going out to our guest relations department and the rest of our team for making the uh, arrangements to get him here, not just for one, but for two days. Yeah. Um, but he is doing a uh, Q&A session on Saturday and Sunday. Now, like with William Shatner last year, it is a $20 additional charge to see his um, to see his talk, which is purchased ahead of time. And if we are not sold out when the convention comes up, I'm sure they will make those tickets available at the door. But this is in addition to the regular membership uh, charge for getting in. And as of right now, as I'm speaking right now, there are still some available. Saturday and Sunday are actually roughly neck and neck as far as how many have sold. Uh, of course, we are limited by the size of the hotel and how many the fire department says we can squeeze into a room. But um, you just know it's going to be a very good crowd, and we're very, very excited about that, too. You know, so that's I, two huge names right there. Yeah, I, 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 would have, I would have to think that some of the – if you would have talked to any of his co-stars that have been with – uh, the convention over the past couple of years, everything from, you know, Sam Carter, you know, to, um, oh, you know, Christopher Judge and, uh, many of the others that have, you know, Christopher hired all that all have all been a part of the, um, the Stargate franchise that, that had to play into helping sway him come to this convention. Well, this is just about, as far as I know, the last major name from the Stargate a series of TV shows that we haven't had. Yeah. I think, and Did of course have... I'm not there, but I, I've heard this many times where a, not to toot our horn too much, but one of the things that really uh, impresses me about Shoreleaf and brings me tremendous pride, it isn't only the, the fact that people around me, you know, say such nice things about the convention and about the people who put it on. But also, I am always hearing stories about how uh, the vast majority of our guest stars from these shows go back to the shows when it's time to shoot episodes again and say, hey, this is a really cool convention to be at. If they offer, you need to go. And there have been times where guest stars who are like on the fence when it comes to the whole convention business have decided to give it a try based on that word of mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and, and there's something that has to be said when when you have guests um, in the franchise that not only come once, but then a few years later come again. And I guess I'm looking at Robert Ricardo. The very first year mm-hmm. that we, I was at the convention, I believe it was shortly of 32, Robert Ricardo was one of the guests there, and he's, he, he must have liked it enough to say, hey, I want to come back. Yeah, I think I have seen him at Shoreleaf maybe twice before. Oh, wow. Perhaps twice, yes. Um, I know I've seen him at least twice. One perhaps was not a, uh, a Shoreleaf, but I know I have seen him in just recent years uh, talking about a brilliant man, uh, a brilliant wit, very sharp-witted, but also very friendly, very down-to-earth. He's a, a family man. He's really a regular guy who just happens to be brilliant. Uh, we love all his characters. He's one of those actors where if you were to ask me what's he been in, I'd be on this phone for six or eight hours because the guy's done everything <laughs> yeah, on TV. I mean, just recently, uh, I have a young son, so we watch a lot of Disney Channel, and I saw him on that show, Jesse, just recently on the Disney Channel. Oh, wow. Playing a snobby director who was doing this little play in the park, you know? So name a show, he's been on it. But... <laughs> Needless to say, he was extremely popular. He always is very brilliant, very you know, very intelligent, uh, a master mimic. Um, 
and I know that he had a good enough time uh, last time that, you know, and it feels good that other actors in almost every case, when they're asked to come back, they, you know, they say, sure, let's, let's go again. For example, one of our other guest stars there is a, a young man, who's well, not so young, young now, he's a full-grown man now, a Mr. Michael Welch, um, who, uh, when he first came to Shirley, he uh, came with his folks, Okay, and uh, he had just recently been in Star Trek Insurrection playing Artem, you know, the boy who teaches Data how to play. Remember that? Right, right. And uh, But unlike so many other young Hollywood actors, he really had a good head on his shoulders. Very even-tempered, very intelligent, very respectful to other people, not afraid to, to talk with other folks out there. And my wife and I, uh, who were there at that convention at the time, uh, actually walked up to his parents and told him, you know, how, you know, how sharp their son was and how well-behaved he was and how, you know, how proud you must be of him and everything. And they were, they were truly moved by that because we've seen so many younger actors just, shall we say, totally lose it. Uh, when they get a taste of that fame and that glory. So he's still known for Insurrection, but now he's known to our younger crowd for playing a character in the Twilight series of films. Right. And so we know the young people, especially no doubt the uh, young female contingency of our audience, will be coming to see Mr. Welch. And again, another actor that we haven't seen for a little while, but we're, we're very happy to have him back. Yeah. So just sort of a nice little tie-in there to one of our other guests this year. Yeah, well, and, and, and it ties into, I mean, you have Richard Dean Anderson, you have Robert Cardo, you have, you have Michael Welch, and then you have Terrell Rothery. All all four of them have made appearances on or, or were part of the cast in the Stargate franchise. Right, Terrell Rothery's recently, in fact, she was announced pretty much the same day we found out that Leonard Nimoy was joining us by Skype, too. So we added those two, you know, big names at about the same time onto our website and, you know, got the word out there to the media as quickly as possible. But another one of those fan favorites from, yeah, uh, you know, from Caprica, I believe it uh, believe it was, Yeah. and everything. And uh, let's see who else we have here. Oh, yes, I didn't mention Silas Weir Mitchell who is really hot right now, very popular, very magnetic young actor, leading man type. Um, he's known for shows like Grimm and Prison Break and 24. So we're very happy to have him as well. He's getting a lot of buzz and a lot of you know attention in the media right now. And another guest that we just recently added, who is very highly regarded in actor circles, a uh, British lady by the name of Eve Miles who is known uh, on this side of the pond for roles in Torchwood and Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. I was great. I was really glad to see her on the docket as well. So that's yeah, awesome. Doctor Who, although I've never personally been a, a huge fan, especially that show, it doesn't mean I don't admire that legacy. And I'm very aware of how passionate fans are about that whole franchise, which, sad as it is to say, has been around even longer than Star Trek has. Uh, so they must know what they're doing. I lose track of all these different doctors and all these different companions. But, <laughs> uh, they've done amazing things with those characters down through the years, and she's now part and parcel of that whole Doctor Who legacy. And there are a great many fans out there at Shirley who are big Doctor Who fans, and I'm sure she's going to do extremely well. I don't know if she's done many other conventions on this side of the Atlantic, but uh, she's got some very impressive credits on the stage. 
you know, and I think she's going to bring a great deal of, of class uh, to our guest lineup again this year. And our artist guest of honor, I forgot to mention earlier, we got a couple special artists coming this year, uh, Rob Caswell, who's known for doing the artwork for the Star Trek Seekers series of, uh, of novels. And I've seen some of this on the website. And what makes his artwork really stand out for us older folks? Uh, do you remember the original James Blish novelizations from back in the day? Uh, of all the classic Trek episodes? I am familiar with them. Well, that, that was a very unique, special kind of artwork that he used uh, for the 12 uh, novelizations of the original Star Trek episodes. And his style for the Star Trek Seeker series is very reminiscent of that. So for us more veteran members uh, of the fandom community, uh, that brings back the warm fuzzies, so to speak. And I believe our good friend Ty Bordoni, who has come on a few other occasions, a uh, well-known um, artist and cartoonist, is going to be joining us again this year as well. And I'm very happy about that. Um, so we've got two really good artist names. And, yeah. of course, you know, <laughs> the usual dozens and dozens of writers, of course. It does begin seem... to start on that. Yeah, I mean, it does, you know, I think many times Balticon is hailed as the writers convention, but I can't believe the amount of Star Trek writers that, that surely brings out uh, people that are writing and there are fans that don't just come for the guests, but they're coming because they want to connect again to the, the authors that they've been reading and that are putting out the stories and that, and that in a real way that are continuing the stories of Star Trek that maybe we don't have it on the small screen anymore, but we can get, more we invest more into the universe through the novels and the worlds are creating. You know, I can't even begin to tell you how this even started. Back in the earliest years of Shore Leave, uh, our main writer guests were Robert Greenberger and Howard Weinstein. Okay, and they still come, believe it or not. They've missed very few times over the last thirty plus years. They're like family to us. But we started with that, and then I guess because they told other people or word got out in the writing community, and bit by bit, year by year, more and more kept coming. And there is a very high percentage of people who come to Shore Leave every year who, you know, I don't want to say shy away, but don't exactly ooh and ah over the, you know, the main you know, actor guests. They, they mainly hang out with the writers. And I have, on occasion, uh, sat down in the rooms and, and listened to um, read from their works and, you know, watch them interact, interact so beautifully. Uh, our Friday night Meet the Pros party we have every year where folks, can, you know, can meet the writers. They've been, you know, reading for many years and get their autograph and talk to them and everything. Um, so, yes, even though you wouldn't consider us a literary con per se, I mean, not the way a Balticon is. I mean, you know. I'm not going to disparage Balticon, no. but they're incredible people. They've been around longer we have, and they are absolute top drawer when it comes to putting on that kind of a show. So we're not really in that league. But if you consider Shore not exactly designed to be a literary con, for what we have, you know, we, we have quite a group there. You and do. it seems to grow every year to the point where we have a hard time finding room for them. So we wind up putting them all in these rooms on these, uh, you know, Friday night meet the pros party that we have, and we uh, make as much room for them as possible. We allow as many of them as we possibly can find room for to do readings of their work and, and do workshops, you know, to, to help teach people the, the art and craft of writing professionally in the genres. 
and uh, do panels about the the latest in, in writing and how they do what they do and how they can do it and everything. That's become a very big part of it as well. Well, you know what? It's become a big part for the authors too. I mean many of them have chosen Shore Leave. I think I like Crazy Press. Uh, they choose Shore Leave to launch their books. Right. I don't have the titles right in front of me at this time. Perhaps I should have printed it out. But I do know that for the last several years, it seems, there's always been at least one or two book launchings at Shore Leave every year. And they deliberately work this out with their publishers to bring these books out at the convention, you know, because they know that a lot of fans are going to be there fans of theirs and fans of Star Trek fiction in particular, and they know they're going to do well, and it's kind of like a little bit of excitement for the writers and a great treat for the literary-oriented fans among our audience, and that, that's going to be no different this year. I know there's at least one. I'm afraid the name escapes me right now, <laughs> but I do know there's at least one book launching happening again this year, and like I said, you mentioned the Crazy Eight Press, which is, um, you know, I think just about all of those guys in the Crazy Eight are regulars that we've had for many, many years, and you know, that's um, they always take a big part in the in the festivities, and no. it's very difficult to think of surely the way it is now without those guys doing there, because you see, they're not just these writers aren't just there you know, to sign a few books and then they leave. They're in the middle of everything. They're out there with the people. They're taking advantage of the parties. They're, you know, they're just uh, taking part in, in any kind of thing you can imagine. So they're they're woven into the fabric yeah. of what makes surely what it is. I think also for the authors, it's, it's a networking opportunity for them to kind of connect with the other writers. And maybe they, like you said, they come to the convention and even though some of them go to multiple conventions, they don't see all these writers all the time, and it gives them a way to connect to them. That's absolutely true. So yeah. on the one hand, it's business, and on the other hand, there's a lot of pleasure to it, too. Absolutely. You know? Now, now you have, other than you know, authors, we have some scientists, you have, you have some artists, you obviously have the main guests. Uh, there are a lot of other things happening at Shoreleave that people that you know maybe need a break from some of this can – can do some other things or can enjoy some other things. What else do you have going on this year? <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. Besides, like, um, what don't you have well, going on, right? <laughs> well, let's see here. Well, one of the things I'm very proud of that um, surely and, and other um, fan-oriented uh, conventions uh, offer is that we might not be the biggest convention around. I mean, we know we're not in the league of – of a Dragon Con or a World Con or, or things like that or, or FedCon over in Europe or anything like that to draw 20, 30, 40,000 people. We, we know that. So, you know, we're very much limited by the, the size of our hotel and everything. But we, we love the fact that, you know, yes, we don't have that size or that kind of budget, but with what we have, we still get these incredible guests and we give people lots and lots of choices. Back when I used to go to a lot more conventions when I was much younger, and I don't know if this is the case now, so perhaps I'm not being fair. I can always speak from my own personal experience from many years ago, but it seemed to me that a lot of other conventions, you had a huge amount of dealers, and you had a couple of real big guest stars, and, well, not much else. Unless you were in the dealer's room or were in the main room, there wasn't much else to do. And there was also very little interreaction between the guests and the fans, very little. The old, 
hand the autograph to the the assistant. Assistant hands it to the guest. Guest signs it, hands it to the assistant. Assistant hands it back back to you. Remember that? Oh yeah, definitely. So that's you know for the money that you pay. Let's face it, to get into shows like these, that's a you know that's not a very good feeling. So uh, surely prides itself on having, like one might say, the best of both worlds. If right. I might rip off that famous title, right, right. But I really do honestly mean that because you've got the guests and you've got the programming. Okay, you walk in there whether you're a grizzled veteran who's been doing this for 50 years or someone who's fairly new to it. You walk in there. I tell folks this. Ah, I wouldn't go to a convention if you paid me. I tell them if you like science fiction at all, even if you're not necessarily a Star Trek person. You know, Shore Leave has branched out to many other fandoms now. 20, 30 years ago, yes, it was mainly a Star Trek thing, because let's face it, that's what started it all. But if you have any love for that kind of genre entertainment, or, or movies of that type, or TV shows of that type, or, or fiction of that type, you need to come out and try it just once, because you might really surprise yourself at the things that you're going to find that you're going to enjoy. For example... Let me just think about the different tracks that are happening, say, on Saturday, the busiest day. You've got the art show, an auction going on all day. You've got that huge costume contest, what we call a masquerade, on Saturday night. After the masquerade, you've got the big 10-forward dance party going on. Um, on Sunday, you've got a thing called Mystery Trekkie Theater 3000, where guys like Peter David and, and Robert Greenberger and Keith DeCandido are up there uh, spoofing a Star Trek episode in that classic style. And it's always hilarious and a lot of fun. It's kind of the way we wrap up the convention every year. Uh, on Friday night, like I mentioned before, you have the Meet the Pros with all the writers and a lot of the scientists. Speaking of scientists, if your style is more to science fact rather than science fiction and fantasy, then we bring in these uh, academicians, I guess is the word, from institutes like the Hubble Institute and the Goddard Institute and things like that, and they'll talk about the latest scientific discoveries. And there's a, a part of me that would like to stay with that all three days if I could, because all that is so very interesting to a guy like me. Okay, So all that's going on. Then a personal favorite of mine is the fan panel discussions, which happens all day and all night, all three days basically, where you get a group of fans into a room and you bounce ideas off of them. You know, people are shooting their opinions right and left, and it's a, usually a very, um, you know, very lively discussion, and yet everybody gets along. Okay? So that's a big, you know, that's a big personal favorite of mine. Um, You've got the weekend-long gaming going on. A lot of folks really love to do their role-playing and everything, or cosplay, what have you, you know? And that's all happening, too. Some folks just stay with that for the vast majority of the weekend. Then, yes, even though it's not what it was, you still have video. Not so much like old episodes, although there is that element to it, but, <clears throat> pardon me, you have the situation where, you have um, you are showing uh, what they call fan films. They, of course, fan films today are far more elaborate and detailed than they were 20, 30 years oh, ago. Oh yeah, they are. The technology is so that you can barely tell the difference anymore. And it's not just the the new Voyages Phase Two people anymore either. Although they get the most of the national press. You know, you have all these different groups. Some of them are local. Some are from across the country that are producing these beautiful stories with these dazzling effects. I can't even, you know, start with how many they are. And they, more often than not, they're gorgeous, you know, and they're 
you know, and we show those as well. And you could spend a lot of time in these rooms checking these out because you may not know where they can be found online or you may not have the time when you're at home to watch them. So folks tend to watch these things at conventions like ours. So then you've got the workshops that I mentioned before. Um, so, and that's just literally the tip of the iceberg. Right. There's all kinds of charity events that are going on. You know, another thing I'm very proud of, which really the matter, and fan conventions in general, no matter what the economy is like year to year, folks at these conventions are very much into uh, covering for each other and protecting the community, okay? So charities are always a very big deal at Shoreleave. We've had a Red Cross blood drive going very successfully for many years. There's a Texas Hold'em poker tournament, which is named after uh, Robert Greenberger's son, who passed away very tragically some years ago in his early 20s. He literally grew up at the convention, um, and he, he passed on, so we named this poker tournament in his honor. And the entry for getting into this poker tournament is to make a donation to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That's your entry fee. You prove oh, nice. that you've made a donation, you know, and that's how you get in on that. And actually, the last time Robert Picardo was here, I believe he had a family member who was very, very ill and needed uh, some some financial help. And there were um, charity organizations at Shoreleaf who donated their proceeds for the weekend to Robert Picardo's cause. That's and he awesome. nearly broke down in tears on the stage. That's awesome. And to see a guy like that, he says, it's not that often I'm speechless, but, and, you know, I get a little bit hair on the back of my neck standing up just thinking about it. <laughs> so great, great generosity right. by uh, the people there as well. Um, so, and that, I've only just mentioned some right. of the various I mean, a, things there, you can do. There's a lot that, that if, people want, if people want to find out more about what's going on at Shore Leave, literally they can go, they can go to shore-leave.com. And they will get much more information than we're touching on in this podcast. Right. S-H-O-R-E-L-E-A-V-E dot com. And like uh, for any of you who have not heard um, my spiel before, yes, it is named after the classic Star Trek episode, Shorely, from the first season, where they beam down to that planet where anything that you think of, whether it's good or bad, is immediately turned into reality. I like to describe... Um, I, I kind of like to describe Shoreleave the way Spock described the Shoreleave planet, where he said, oh, this is like an amusement park. <laughs> and Kirk would say, what's an amusement park? He said, oh, a place where people could see and do all sorts of fascinating things. Yeah, absolutely. And that always stuck with me, and I think that's probably the best description of Shoreleave that I can really give. No, I, no and I would, I would tend to agree with that assessment of it. So, so if people want to come to Shoreleave, they can find registration uh, available online. And my understanding is for if they book in advance, so before July 15th, they get their registration in, it is $80 for the weekend, I believe. I think so. Again, yeah. I don't have the sheet in front of me. It's either 80 or 85 It's 85 I wish I'd had it right in front of me. I have it open right in front of me here, and I think that it's it's 85 if you register at the con. But if you want to save 5 bucks, you can register ahead of time. And, you know, especially if you're, right. bringing, if you're bringing family, um, that money adds up. And one of the things I like about Shirley, what Shirley does, they have not only that, they have a teen rate. And then they also have a youth rate. And if you have kids under four, they aren't going to charge you for it. They're really focused on getting right. families to this it is, convention. It is always less expensive 
to uh, to do it ahead of time, not just because we may sell out, but also it's it's a lot easier to get into the convention when you pre-register early like that instead of waiting in a line Saturday morning. Folks think they can just show up Saturday morning and be registered in five minutes. It doesn't happen that way, folks. No, no. You're going to stand in the line, and you're probably going to miss an hour or two worth of stuff while you're in that line. So I urge people... You know, especially if you're going to come Saturday, to not do it that way when we're expecting crowds like that. Yeah. Um, Friday early is one thing. A lot of folks are just getting out of work, and that works. And you know, early Sunday where things are generally pretty, you know, quieter in general, that's one thing. But don't just show up thinking, you know, yeah. there's not going to be a line. But um, but yeah, the the exact structure is you have a, a weekend. We don't really call them tickets; we call them memberships. Right. You have a weekend membership. You can get Friday only. You can get Saturday only. You can get Sunday only. Right. A lot of folks who get turned off by the crowds on Saturday, and this is even before we really had the whole thing where Leonard Demoy was coming via Skype on Sunday. I would tell folks, listen, folks, uh, this is for last year. I said, except for William Shatner, all the guests are going to be here on Sunday. All the same programming, for the most part, is taking place on Sunday, and it's less crowded and less expensive to get in. So if you're going to choose one day, probably choose Sunday. Less craziness. Um, But there are individual rates for each day. And then, like you said, there is a certain lower price for teens. And, that, you know, and of course, uh, children under the age, I think you said, like uh, under five, are free with a paying adult. Yeah. And also, and I'm pretty sure they could do this again this year, for those night owls out there who really just like the masquerade and tend forward, and you would be surprised, there is always a percentage of folks who only seem to show up for the convention around 6, 7 o'clock on Saturday night, party the night away, and then just kind of disappear. Yeah. You know, that's just their thing, you know. They they like the whole masquerade and the, the big dance that happens right after that. Yeah. And there's an individual ticket, you know, for just those two events that are usually available awesome. as well, Saturday night tickets. So that's yeah. available too. Um so yes, lots of lots of choices definitely. So but there you go. Yeah. Well, Mike, I just want to say thank you so much for coming back to the Sci-Fi Diner and, you know, taking, you know, talking a little bit about what got you involved, a little bit about what Shoreleaf has to offer this year. And it's my hope that those, that, that you listening out there, that if you are especially in the Baltimore area, but even if you're a couple hours away, that you will consider coming to Shoreleaf and just, you know, if you've never been to a convention, it's a great convention to have your first convention at because there's a lot to do and because there's, Certainly plenty of, of areas you can go to take a break if you need to get out of the crowds a little bit. Yeah, well, it's something that I, that's akin to something that I wrote on one of the press releases this year. You know, I said, I think I started off with something like, you know, tired of just the standard summer getaways, you know, tired of all the, the heat and the high gas prices. All you need is a little shore leave where you can reach for the stars or, or something like that. Um, and I always tell folks as we as we wrap this up, I always tell folks who might be on the fence about conventions or conventions are never really their thing. They have this negative image of it. Like I said a few moments ago, you know, if you're nearby, just just stop in like for a Sunday or something. Just give it a try. You might really be surprised at how much there is to see and do, and how much other folks are out there that are just like you. Uh, the friends you're going to make, the kind of people you're going to meet, um, and how quickly the time is going to go by. And when the day is over, you say to yourself, that's fun. I can't wait until it's your leave time again. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, again, I really appreciate you coming on to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you back at Shore Leave at the beginning of August. Oh, I wouldn't miss it. Hope to see all you guys out there. Come come Shore Leave time in August. Take care. It's, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343, or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com, or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page facebook.com slash sci-fi diner we'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show if you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com <laughs>